Thank you, guys. That's appreciate our team. They uh, serve week in and week out. And it's like there's there's so many uh, things going on behind the scenes any given Sunday morning that, that are always pretty fascinating to me. Um, everything from the host, but there's coffee, there's kids ministry, there's there, there's, there's even somebody downstairs that is a hall monitor to just as someone that's there to continue to make sure it's a safe place for the kids, to make sure that there's nobody coming and going that shouldn't be coming and going, to make sure no kids escape on a Sunday morning. You know, things that, you know, it's great. It's like things that you don't necessarily think of if you don't have kids. But when all those things are, are happening, it's like it's, it's a lot of incredibly uh, uh, fantastic things that are going on. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of them from, uh, yeah, front to the back. And uh, it's a great thing to be able to see that. And uh, so here we are. It's, it's an awesome Sunday morning, beautiful sunshine. I love the sunshine. It's like spring is, is definitely coming. You can feel the, the, uh, the power of the sun and, uh, in so many ways, and so we appreciate that this morning. We're, we're in week three of a series, and um, this series is not... Um, not a topical series where we've got, you know, one topic that we keep, keep going to, but it's like we're following kind of the journey of Jesus from his baptism to his post-resurrection appearance to the disciples. So we're following that from week to week, and, um, and so we're, we're partway through that. We're into week three of that. And so we're just going to continue on in that vein of things that we can learn from Jesus as he made that journey from, I'll say, from his baptism to the cross. Now, many of you here this morning would be familiar with Rick Warren's best-selling book. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. It's like, it's sold over 25 million copies worldwide since it was published in 2002. That's a lot of books. Like, it's a very popular book. It's been used as small group curriculum. It's been, you know, read by Christians and non-Christians alike. And it begins... Chapter 1, the very first sentence of Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, is this. It's not about you. That's how he starts. This book has sold 25 million copies. And it starts with the statement, it's not about you. Now, the fact that it's a bestseller speaks to the need for people to find purpose beyond themselves. It's one thing to exist. It's one thing just to live, but to realize that we need purpose. We need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. I don't know about you, but I need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And so I'm thankful for purpose that does that. Because as much as we want to be happy, we want our lives to matter. Right? It's like, yes, we want to be happy, but we actually, we actually want to count for something. We, we want significance in life. Mark Twain is quoted as saying the two most important days of your life are the day that you were born and the day that you discovered why. It's about purpose, about this idea of finding purpose. Even in creation, we see God's purpose in all of what he made and even through mankind. If you think about, and I won't won't read the Genesis account, but when you think about the story of the Garden of Eden, God's original plan, We see community. So community was part of it. It was Adam and Eve in the garden. They were in perfect community. We we see fellowship with God as part of it. It talks about how they walked with God in the cool of the day. 
So there was, there was community, there was fellowship with God. We see the, the stewardship, the responsibility that God gave them in the garden and to, you know, to care for it and so on like that. And then there's this idea of, of, of spreading out there. He says, you know, subdue the world, fill it. You know, um, I'm trying to think of the exact words, but um, subdue it and multiply, fill the earth. And, and so there's that concept of filling the earth. It was perfection with purpose. You know, they weren't just, you know, chilling on the beach and just watching the waves. They weren't just laying back. They were, there was a sense of, no, you were created for purpose, for dominion, and it was perfection. And then the serpent comes along. <laughs> the devil comes along, tempts them, fools them, gets them, and, and, it's, and wrecks the whole thing. They, they give up that perfect community. They, it, there's a breaking of that. And that's what Jesus came to restore. Jesus came to restore that perfection, that life of purpose, that community, that communion, that fellowship. And we live that out as God's redeemed community, the church. It's pretty cool when God can restore that through the church. And then, of course, when he returns, that will find its fullest fulfillment. So the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossae describes this, this idea of Jesus and, and, and as the creator when he says this. In Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 16, he says, For by him, talking about Jesus, he says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Well, that's, that's a lot. I love how this is described in the message. The message version, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. We look to the sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and visible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Finding purpose. This morning, I want to look at finding purpose. Finding purpose is a lot like finding strength, like I mentioned last week. One of the most important things is knowing where to look. Right? Finding purpose, finding strength, all those things. One of the most important parts of finding that is knowing where to look. And we find our purpose in him. So far in this series of messages, we've looked at finding identity. That was the first week. And as as that was displayed at Jesus' baptism, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my son. I love him in whom I am well pleased. That was that identity uh, part of Jesus' life where, where God made it quite plain who Jesus was. And then last week, we looked at finding strength and how how through the journey, through trials, temptations, the things that we face, Jesus overcame all those things and found strength. And as we journey through those ourselves, we grow in strength as we persevere through those things. And and we learn that God's strength is made perfect in weakness. This week, I want to look at Jesus as the real, really the prime example of of finding purpose. So if we look at the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry, so he's been baptized, he's been tempted, he's come through those things. If we look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, as recorded by Luke, um, we read this. It says in Luke chapter 4, and this is going to be the main text this morning, Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 16, it says, He, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So Jesus went to church. He went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. 
Let's stand up to read this morning. I get you to st- everyone to stand to the feet. We're going we're gonna to kind of uh, put ourselves in that setting where Jesus, he went to church in the morning when he was in church. It says he was there and, and he stood up to read. And it says the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Debbie, why don't you hand me my Bible? Here's my scroll this morning. It's flat. A little easier to handle. A little harder for me to read. And it says, uh, he, 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 he opened it, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, which he turned to Isaiah, but we're turning to Luke's version of that. Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to read from, from Luke uh, verse 17. The Spirit of the Lord, he, unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because... Now, I don't know if you're an underlining person in your Bible. Some people like to underline things. Underline that word because, if that's, or highlight it if it's in your iPad or whatever. Because. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today this scripture is fulfilled in our midst. Let's, let's pray before you're seated. God, I pray that your word would be fulfilled in our lives this day, even as we gather to explore this idea of purpose. Lord, may your word speak to us. And God, may we not only be informed, but may we be transformed by your word today. God, may your word take root in us and bear fruit in us. Lord, may it take root in our city and bear fruit in our city. And God, may you be glorified in it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we want to look at this idea of finding purpose. Finding purpose here this morning. We know that Jesus was secure in, in his identity. We've already talked about that. He knew who he was. God had proclaimed that. We know that, that he endured through tests and trials and did not sin. He, overcome, he overcame temptation. And he modeled finding strength for us. We find strength in him. And he also knew his purpose. And, and that may seem... You know, like, well, what difference does that make? I mean, it's like if he was God, what, what difference did having purpose have? But as we learned during the first week of the series that God was pleased with Jesus before he did anything. Okay, it's like before Jesus had even started his ministry, it says that, that God was pleased for him. But it's interesting. As soon as, as, he, as soon as he knew who he was, he was secure in that. As soon as he knew that God was pleased with him, he actually began to walk out who he was in how he lived. So he knew who he was, he had strength, and then he began to walk out who he was and how he lived. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. And because, because is a word that answers the question why, right? You know, you tell your young person, you tell your child, it's like, no, you can't do that. Why? Because. Right? It's, it's the great word, right? You just, all you have to do is say because, and that, and that very seldom actually finishes the conversation. But because is a reply to the question why. See, he knew God's purpose for his life. 
He could answer his why question. It's like he, the anointing was on him because. So he's answering the question, why? To preach the good news, to proclaim the freedom, all those things that are mentioned in that scripture. And, and we read in, in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 17. We all know John 3:16, for God so loved the world, right? But John 3:17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, finding purpose. God had a purpose in sending Jesus. He just didn't send him for no reason. He sent him on a, with a purpose and a plan. And God, in his plan to send Jesus, Jesus knew what it was. Jesus understood his purpose. And it was a key to how he lived it out. It's so important that we understand it. For example, later in Jesus' ministry, so Jesus has, has been serving for a while, and we find it in Luke 19. There's this story of a man named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, so he would have been Jewish, but he was collecting taxes for the Roman government. And, and people hate, hated the tax collectors because it was as if they were working for the opposition, and they would always skim, or they tended to skim a little bit, so they would pad their own pockets by cheating people a little bit more than they needed to. So, so even though... He was a Hebrew, he was a Jew. Zacchaeus was hated by the other Jews. And he hears that, that Jesus is coming through town. And so, so Jesus is making his way. And Zacchaeus makes, a very, like, makes an effort to actually connect with Jesus. And, and Jesus actually reaches out to him. And he, he went to Zacchaeus' house for a meal. And, 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 and he's there with him and he wants to, he wants to make sure that Zacchaeus knows the truth. He, he, he cares enough about Zacchaeus to, to go to his house, which was a big deal. He made time for him. And it's interesting because when he was questioned by the crowd, I mean, the crowd's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Hey, you're hanging out with the scum of the earth here. It's like, th this guy, I mean, he's a tax collector after all. Like, what? Why would, you even, why would you even be seen with this guy? And it's interesting because he refers to his purpose to explain his actions. We read in Luke 19.10, after these people have been like, you know, why are you even with him? Like, I can't believe you'd be seen with him. Jesus says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus justified his actions by reiterating his purpose. It's cool because he's like, why would you do this, Jesus? He says, because I know why I'm here. I came for a reason. And this man that's sitting before me, he's the reason. Zacchaeus was the reason that he came. And I love that he was able to go to his purpose for that. Jesus did what he did on purpose. Now, let's consider that from a corporate standpoint. Okay, us as a church, like because I'm going somewhere with this, this is a, if we as a church, if, if we as a church exist to create a comfortable, welcoming place for Christians to meet once a week to fellowship, which we don't, by the way, is we will, we will actually live very differently than if we exist to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city and the world. If we know our purpose, it will affect how we act. It will help us to make decisions about what we do and what we don't do. Jesus knew his purpose. He could hang out with a tax collector because he knew he came to seek and to save the lost. It'll be very different how we act depending on our purpose. And if we do not know our purpose, 
really what, what governs what we do. Like, anything goes. Like, if you have no purpose, if you have no value, if you have no reason to exist, then there's no reason to see yourself as God sees you. Jesus did not say that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because he anointed me to establish a global financial empire. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say the Spirit of the Lord is on me to overthrow the Roman government, which, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the Jewish people would have loved that one. It wasn't even the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to create a new Jewish religious sect. It wasn't. That wasn't Jesus' purpose, and he knew it. No, his, he said, the Spirit is upon me to establish the kingdom reign of God in a fallen world through his life, death, and resurrection, to overthrow the rule of the enemy on earth, to proclaim freedom for the captive, sight for the blind, the year of the Lord's favor. He knew why he was there, and he lived by that. Because purpose not only helps us know what to say yes to, but also what to say no to. Because sometimes saying yes to everything means you really can't say yes to anything. Because, you know what I mean? It's like you get so wrapped up in yes that you, you, have, you end up not actually accomplishing anything. On one occasion, uh, Jesus ret- retreats to a quiet place to pray. He's been working hard. He's... As he's ministered, his popularity has increased. There's, there's uh, a crowd's beginning to gather around him. But he, he retreats. He, he pulls away to pray. And the disciples find him. And they're like, they come to him. And they say, Jesus, man, we've got people to please here. I mean, come on, let's get with business. It's like, we've got a crowd. But he chose to leave the crowds of adoring fans and move on to other villages because he knew his purpose. It's like this thing with Zacchaeus. He knew his purpose. Jesus replied to them in Mark 1.38. He says, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the new, nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. You see, now you could see why the disciples were a little bit confused. I mean, you, you would expect him to be think, them to be thinking, you know, okay, we've drawn a crowd. This is fantastic. Let's make sure we keep the crowds happy, right? I mean, this is great. Jesus, you're a success. Let's, let's build a big building and, and settle down. But Jesus wasn't in it to draw a crowd. He was in it to change the world. And because he knew that, he could say no to hanging out with the crowd so that he could say yes to going to the next villages where he spoke. He chose his, to leave the adoring fans because he knew his purpose. It was about people. It was about lost people, those who hadn't heard yet. And don't get me wrong, Jesus, Jesus loved his followers. He loved the people that were around him. He ministered to them. He taught them. He loved them. He made time for them. He, he went to the cross for them. He, he really he loved people, but he understood his purpose to seek and to save that which was lost. He would leave the 99 in safety to go after the one. And because of that, it changed how he acted. I mean, one of the ways to look at the church, and when I say the church, I mean people. We, we don't go to church. We are the church. Right? So when I say we look at church, church is a continuation of what Jesus started. The church, the body, 
We, we as followers of Christ, we are a continuation of what Jesus started. Jesus made disciples who were to be like their rabbi. And, and these disciples were to continue Jesus' work. And part of that was to continue to make disciples who make disciples. And because of that, and thank God for that, because we're here today because of that. If that wasn't the case, when the disciples died, the church would have died. But it certainly did not. It continues to grow. It's a force to be reckoned with. It goes on. So the disciples were to continue Jesus' work. And, and I want to read out of Acts chapter 1. Jesus had been crucified, risen. He was still connecting with the, the disciples. And it says in Acts 1, 4, it says, On one occasion, while, they were eating with them, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He says, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's given them the mission. Right? So he's already told them, you know, go and make disciples. But he says this, wait for the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, the disciples said, Lord, you know, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? It's like, is this, is this when it's all going to happen? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. So he kind of counters that. He says, that's not the most important question. And then he says this, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. He says, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. He says, there's, there's, there's a key here. You see, we as Pentecostals, we sometimes we want the power, but we forget about the purpose. <laughs> you know, we want the big bang, we want the power, but we don't necessarily want the focus. We don't want the, the purpose of it. We need both. We need power and we need purpose. We need might and we need mission. We need anointing and we need action. You see, God has sent himself in, in the form of the Holy Spirit to empower us to fulfill our purpose. It's power and purpose. And it's incredible what can be done through that. It's empowerment for mission, to be his witnesses, and a witness testifies on behalf. And we've been given that authority and begin that mandate. I, I mentioned the scripture last week found in Ephesians chapter 2.10. It says, for we are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's creation for good works that he prepared for us to do. I, I love this verse because identity and purpose and all in one powerful package, it's all there in this one verse. Finding purpose. You see, you're not an accident here this morning. And you're not even here by accident this morning. You're not, some, you know, you're not the result of some science experiment gone wrong. You did not just happen. You are created. You're created. God created you. God designed you. And it's interesting because he, he designed you for a purpose that existed before you did, according to this. He prepared in advance for us to do. God had a purpose. God had a plan for you before you were even born. And that's good because sometimes we, we search for that and we wonder, like, well, what's going on? It's like, but know that it's there. It exists. And, it, and God's not trying to hide it from us. He wants to reveal it to us. You see, as, as a believer here, I mean, I have, I'm absolutely convinced. I believe it's true for me. It's true for you. As a believer here this morning, you are a walking, talking, loving, serving extension of Jesus' ministry on earth. 
That is who you are. That is your purpose. That has been what you've been created for. It, you, it's not by accident. Every moment you've been given is pregnant with purpose. Every moment, moment that you've been given has, has a destiny attached to it. And, and that's not just Sunday morning here in church when I'm up here ranting and raving and raving my arms. No, it's, it's not just that. It's, it's Monday through Saturday. It's those days of the week when you interact with people. There is purpose in your existence. You matter. God has a plan for you. You matter to the kingdom. You matter to God. You are his son and daughter. I'll say it again. You are his son and his daughter. He loves you in you. He is well pleased. And not only do you exist, but you have a purpose. I have a purpose here this morning. You have a purpose here this morning. Talk about, man, finding purpose. We find that we find our purpose in Christ. I mean, John 20, again, Jesus says, peace be with you. Like, he's talking to his disciples. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Matthew 28, you know, that's the Great Commission. And I, I, I read that so much, I chose not to read it this morning, but I still can't get away from it. Go, make disciples. Be disciples. Make disciples. And you see, the Bible is a gift to us. I, I love his word because as we read it, it can, it's, we, we learn in what God says about people who are working out their purpose in scriptural times when they could see Jesus. So it helps us to find our purpose as we walk out our lives who accept Jesus by faith when we can't see him. We, we walk in that, that kind of that tension between we've got the Bible and we understand it as truth and then we have the the. I'll say the, the alternate reality that we live in, right? I mean, how many, how many sometimes see this, there's, there's, a, there's a tiny gap sometimes between what we read in Scripture and what we see on a daily basis? You know, there's that faith gap. There's that alternate reality gap where we, you know, there's this disconnect we sometimes see and we have to kind of work through that. But when we read his word, we, we get a picture of real people, authentic people, experiencing some very real things in real time in the scriptures. And, and I love the fact that it's not neat and tidy and cut and dried and very, you know, simple. But it's complicated. People fail in the Bible. I'm glad, I am glad that there's records of people in the Bible that fail. Because <laughs> that means I haven't completely lost the plot, right? Because I know myself. Right? And, and I live in a world that I recognize that God's will is not always accomplished. You're like, what? what? What do you mean? What I mean is that even in God's sovereignty, he chooses not to squash our will. He still gives us the ability to choose because without choice, there is no love. And God created us for fellowship with each other and with him. So we have this, this beautiful thing called free will, which gives us the, the ability to love God and totally destroy one another all at the same time. But when we recognize the power of God's will, the power of his will to be able to give us free will and purpose, you see, there, there's the power, there's the key to unlock God's work in our lives. 
As we continue to worship this morning, I'm going to actually going to ask the team to come back. As we continue to worship this morning, can I encourage you to understand that we are people of purpose? And ultimately, we find that purpose in Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, it's, it all starts somewhere, but basically, in a nutshell, if you're wondering where to find purpose, start with Jesus. Because Jesus created us, as we read already this morning, that, that it's found in him. We find our purpose in Christ. We find his mandate on us, both personally and corporately. To me, as I read this and as I think about, you know, created in Jesus, created this masterpiece to do good works that he created in advance for us to do. To me, to be a believer is to be involved. To be a believer is, is to live out the mandate and the purpose that he has placed on our lives. And it looks different from all of us. I mean, not all of us, not all of us would be preachers here this morning, like like, not all of you would be comfortable up here. Not that I am. But it's like, not everyone would be comfortable to speak on a platform, nor would you be called to. Not, not all of you would be, be able to, to lead worship like Megan does or like Nathan does or some of the rest of the team. You know, wouldn't be called to do that. But that doesn't mean you don't have purpose. Just because you can't preach doesn't mean you don't have purpose. Just because you're not on the worship team doesn't mean you're not called. See, there are good works for you. Being a disciple is not a spectator sport. I mean, I mentioned, like, as we began, like, as I was opening this message about people throughout this church, all over this church. I mean, you can hear the kids from downstairs, and I love that sound. I'm never, ever going to complain about being able to hear kids in our building. You will never hear that from me because that's the sound of life. That's the sound of, of fun. And it's like the only bad part about hearing the kids is some of you might think that they're having more fun downstairs than we are up here. That would be a bad thing. But it's like this building is, is full of people who are serving. People who are involved. Ushers, greeters, counters, kids ministry, sound, video, coffee, like worship team. Like it goes on and on and, and it happens throughout the week. This, this church has the privilege in our city to host events. Week after week after week, John D. works very hard to make sure that everything is in place and everybody's in place. There are people from this church that volunteer at those events many times to provide ushers, greeters, people that know where the bathrooms are, people that can help out, do tech, sound like They volunteer their time to make it possible to host our city in our building. Now, I think, I think that's really cool. Now, that's not the same as preaching, but it's just as important because there's a purpose to it. It matters. And when people recognize that what they're doing has eternal purpose, has eternal significance, man, you can scrub a toilet with a smile on your face if you know why. When you can answer your why, you understand that picking up that little piece of garbage on the way in is contributing to what God is doing eternally in our city. Right? It's like it's understanding that we're not all doing the same thing, but we all have a purpose. You know, the space shuttle a few years blew up. It was a few years ago now, showing how old I am. They did everything they could to try to figure out what happened. And the nearest they can tell, it came down to a, an O-ring. This one component of this multi-million dollar spaceship. It was destroyed because of an O-ring that failed. 
It's like you think about significance and different things in the life, the church and different things about being accomplished. It's like the little things matter. The, the faithfulness of God's heart is towards people where the faithfulness and the little things matter. You may think you're not seen. You may think you're not appreciated. And forgive us if you do because that's not our heart. But if you're here and you're, t- you're part of something and you're like, you don't think you matter. You know, you're raising your little ones that take so much of your time that you're changing diapers. You know, you're doing all this. And it's like nobody seems to see, but you're, you're pouring into that young life. You may seem like it's, like, it's like I'm stuck here. What, what difference does it make? It doesn't matter. It matters. That's the next generation. It matters. Because, because it has purpose. It's not Rick, Rick Warren, and I quote, it's not about you. But when we get that, oh, oh I love it. I love the body of Christ when we're really hit the extension of who he is. It, I have no greater joy when I see some, than when I see somebody understand their purpose in the kingdom and come alive and, f- and just thrive in that. They, they get connected. Do you know what I'm saying? They get connected with who God's created them to be. And they begin to see that it matters. Oh, my heart for you this morning is like, as I wrap this up is that you would recognize You have a purpose. If you do not know what that purpose is, start with Jesus. Start with Jesus and go from there. Because I am convinced that when we put him first, he will show us our purpose. We will begin to understand our purpose. And when we walk in our purpose, oh, this city will never be the same. This city will never be the same when we walk in the purpose that God has given us. Let's bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city and to the world here this morning. Let's stand together. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God of purpose. You sent Jesus into this world, not to condemn the world, not to condemn me, not to condemn those gathered here this morning, but through Jesus we could be saved. And not just saved, (laughs) not just saved, but saved and created for a purpose, good works that you created in advance for us to do. So God, I pray this morning, Lord, for people that may be struggling. They may be struggling for their purpose. They just don't know where they fit in. They don't know what matters. They're like, they feel like they're kind of spinning their wheels. They're in a holding pattern. God, this morning, would it start with you? Would it start with Jesus? Would it start with that encounter with you, God, in your spirit? And would it go from there, from that place of power to a place of purpose, where they know what it is to be faithful in the little things? They know what it is to be used by you and to see you do things of eternal circumstances or or eternal consequence in people's lives, oh God. Lord, for those that are discouraged, Lord, I pray you would encourage them, that your spirit would, would, would stir them up to know that they matter. God, there's no one within the sound of my voice that doesn't matter to you. There's no one within the sound of my voice that doesn't have a purpose and a plan for their lives. There's no one within the sound of my my voice that, that Jesus, you wouldn't have gone for the cross for, gone to the cross for. So God, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for a releasing of the power of your spirit in this place. Lord, as we continue to worship, as we exalt you, as we lift you up, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be poured out on this place, that people would encounter you, Lord, even in a deeper way than they ever have before, that your spirit would empower people, that there would be power and purpose. 
God, move in your church, and Lord, may the church move in its city. Lord, may you move in us, and may we move in our city. God, have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.